No. Enough. Even torturing you is boring. This is the small council. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. Thank you so much for coming on uh, and listening to us. Um, we're going to finally be talking about the update. We tried to do this show uh, like two times before. We tried it the other day, but uh emergency happened, and I just scrapped the show. And then we tried to do it, um, what was it, Sunday, or no, Saturday, got too busy, then we tried to do it Sunday. Me and Spencer got on, and we were ready to talk about it, and a glitch happened. And that's probably the link that you saw me uh, send out everywhere. So by the time you're probably seeing a link for this one, I'm not even going to send the link out until after the show's over because you know I don't want to go through all that time just in case somehow we hit another glitch. Um, first time we've ever experienced a glitch like it. I won't get into all the details, but it was quite annoying. Um, but yeah, so super excited to be talking uh, to you guys again. You know, I'm excited to talk about uh, the update. We will briefly discuss uh, some of the overall changes, uh, and then we'll jump, jump right into Greyjoys. Um, anyone who's not a part of our Facebook group, definitely go uh, give it a like and go check it out. Occasionally, we'll post some stuff on there. Um, other than like the links to the show, but uh, just previously had posted a poll to see what uh, factions you guys wanted us to cover. Um, so, uh, you know, if you want to be a part of stuff like that, uh, definitely go check it out. So what had won the poll was Greyjoys um, posted somewhere on there. I think the order in which we'll talk about everything, we may mix up the uh, mix it up a little bit depending on guests and who's available if it's more pertinent to have um, certain people on if they're more you know uh, experienced with a certain faction no point in forcing uh, someone who knows very little about the faction to talk about it uh, just for the sake of you know a, a list or order that we have it in um, other than that I definitely uh, um, gotta shout out our um, regional event coming up uh, in my area. Uh, it's at Games Plus in Mount Prospect, Illinois. We have uh, limited spots, so definitely uh, go sign up either on Stats or you can find it uh, through Facebook. Um, stats is the more legitimate sign-up list, but if, uh, if you can, it, I'd prefer if you just signed up at both. We have a ton of prize support probably more surprise support than, you know, most tournaments out there, especially for, you know, one not being like the size of Adepticon or Gen Con or whatnot. But uh, what is it? We have like, I think, seven starters, 40 unit boxes, neoprene, uh, matte terrain, a bunch of alternate sculpts and banners, you know, the, that usual stuff. Um, but we also have, uh, you know, for Tid Army, uh, which we will also be doing best painted unit and uh, um, model. Uh, 
but for Best Painted Army, we're giving away a $200 Kickstarter uh, pledge for the um, uh, Duncan Rhodes uh, Kickstarter. If you have not seen that, you could still find it on Kickstarter. As you know, the campaign's long over, but you can at least still t- t- uh, go on there to look at some pictures and whatnot of what you'd be getting. I do have it in hand, so it's not like something you'd have to wait for. Um, so definitely go check out that event. Um, entry is still only a $15 in-store purchase. That is the similar uh, entry that we do for our basic events. And it could be anything in the store. You need some paints, you need some brushes, some card sleeves. That all counts towards the entry. Just $15 store purchase. And then they still put uh, $10 a person into the prize pool as store credit. So assuming we fill all 24 spots, there'll be $240 in store credit you can also use. And again, that store credit will be able to be used on anything in the shop. It does not have to be Ice and Fire related. Um, I'm currently working with uh, Adam uh, from CMON and my store because uh, due to logistics, we not, might not be able to get any Bolton stuff in because the tournament is the day, I believe, uh, I could be wrong, but it, I think it's the day after the supposed Bolton slot. Uh, so we're looking to hopefully get a Bolton starter to give away as well uh, as prize support. And who knows, it'd be awesome if, I don't know if there's anything else being released with it, but based on other releases, I would not doubt if the Hero Box and like another unit box is released alongside it. And if so, hopefully we can get our hands on some of that. Um, but with that said, uh, definitely go check it out. And even if uh, even if you can't go, uh, or even maybe if you're interested, if you're just interested, definitely still, uh, you know, um, sign up, you know, and just let me know ahead of time if you can't make it. Even if we have more than 24 applicants, go ahead and sign up just in case, um, you know, people drop drop out all the time on events. And uh, and even if you can't go, but you uh, could do us a huge favor, you know, just share out uh, the event. Let people that you know that uh, might be interested in traveling. Uh, and then we also, because it is a qualifier, we'll be giving out four uh, national spots if you qualify in uh, first through fourth place. Uh, there's a handful of people that are going that are already qualified, so your chances are even higher to get a spot. Uh, I myself will be judging slash TOing it, and even if I play, it'll only be because there's an odd number and I can't win anything. Uh, I'm already qualified, so that's another person that might be in the pool that can't get any of that stuff. I won't be able to win any of the painting stuff, any of the store credit, nothing. I'll just simply be in there so that we're not giving a buy to anyone. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, again, you can find it on songoficeandfirestats.com, or you can find it on Facebook, uh, preferably sign up to both. And, uh, yeah, uh, with that said, we'll get straight into it. Uh, with me, I have uh, my co-host, Brett. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, no problem. It's, uh, it's been a while since I was on the show. Uh, not too long, but, I mean, it's it's been a bit for a, a little bit of everyone. Things have just been crazy. Every time I think we're going to get right back in the swing of things, something comes up. But, you know, that I guess that is the way, you know, life throws curveballs at you. So, um, yeah. let's see. 
So let's talk about uh, some of the basic changes. Um, so now anyone that has not already seen it, I know it's been out for I think almost exactly a week now, or no, uh, just over a week. Um, but one of the major changes was to the neutral point limit. Instead of 50% of your army, it is now, I believe, 30%, um, which for 40 points comes out to a nice uh, uh, 12 points. Um, personally, I absolutely love this change. Um, it, I think it's like the best of both worlds, you know, because we talked about it in the show in uh, previous episodes where if you completely eliminate it, um, you know, you kind of hurt people that have invested a lot of money into neutral units that don't really have enough to run neutrals or no desire to run pure neutrals or even painted them up in certain army schemes. But also, while, you know, it was kind of apparent that neutrals lost a bit of their identity because you could run so many of them in an army, it also made, uh, I'm sure, on uh, this is only an assumption, but I'm sure that it made balancing things much harder because I think um, having to factor how many of these neutral units you can throw into one force also plays into how intensively you have to test them. Um, whereas now, with the way the math breaks down, uh, I mean, you can't even run Flademed and Tycho. Uh, you know, if you want to run Flademed, you got only four more points worth to work with. Um, and I think that's a great thing. Uh, anything seven points or more, you're not going to be able to run double of. Um, the only thing you could run double of is the six-point limit or less, which is another thing I think is great. You know, not being able to run double flayed men, or even, you know, for some of us, like, you know, I just recently ran a double Bastard Scrolls in a Holland list, and, you know, though I was a little disappointed to see it not be a thing anymore, uh, you know, overall, I still think it's healthy for the game. What do you think, Brett? Oh, it's it's definitely a good change um, for any a number of the reasons that you mentioned. The only I do feel slightly sad because not everybody necessarily abused the neutrals limit per se. There were a number of people that ran Golden Company Swords and the Elephant because it was something they looked forward to. It was pretty cool you can't do that anymore unless you run all neutrals but with that said you know for those players you can I, well you can't run you can golden run it swords now the elephant. correct you can't run golden company swords plus the elephant yeah i there were some but people you can still that get an elephant in there <laughs> yeah so you can yeah. get an elephant with golden company officer if you're not an all neutrals army but there's there is incentive to play a neutrals army anyway um kind of with the shift in the meta where we're seeing a number of seven activation lists. Additionally, with the path token coming along, the neutrals are kind of shaping up to be a pretty strong faction, honestly. Um, and they always had some level of reason to play the elephant um, because you could play, uh, it's planning an insight to do additional hits and it could make the elephant sent in a grind, but pretty nasty when it was charging in, adding those two extra hits. So, that said, if you're kind of bummed out about it, if you're not a tournament player anyway, 
there's nothing really stopping you and your 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 friends from house ruling to where you can run those two units together. Uh, just keep that in mind. If it's not an official CMON event or some kind of competitive event, you can still do it. Um, I completely understand there were some that wanted to run the Thirsty kind of golden company stuff, and, and you should be able to work something out with your friends to make that happen. But outside of that, I, I really think it was a good change. Um, the prominence of double blade men, it was it was pretty it was reduced this last version. I think they finally got blade men in a really nice spot, a spot where they want to be. There wasn't a lot of incentive to run double blade men, but changing that limit overall was a, it was good for the game. Just as you mentioned, plus with the plan to buff the neutral NCUs the way they did, Varus at four points is yowza. So, and I I view it as a preemptive kind of getting ahead of what they would have expected change from the developers. And we welcome that because they, I'm sure that they anticipated some level of abuse with all neutral NCUs and the golden company swords. So they kind of cut that off to where only the neutrals can do it. And that's, that's great. That's good. Good for neutrals. Agreed. I'm actually, uh, you know, because it's funny because, uh, granted, you know, some of the units got buffs um, uh, for neutrals, but outside of that, it, it really just the fact of them being more unique now uh, for the pa- uh, fact of the point limit or the percentage limit. Um, I'm excited to actually just play neutrals because now I, I, I just feel like my army is going to be a lot more unique, especially with Bolton's... Um, becoming a thing. I think a lot of neutral players are going to kind of detach from the neutral banner that because they only really cared for the Bolton stuff. Uh, so this uh, Saturday we have a team tournament. Um, it's only 20 points. So for you can imagine 20 points, 30% uh, is only 6 points. Um, so uh doesn't leave room for much. That means you can't even run a single Flademan, a single Golden Company Swordsman, a single Bastard Girl. So I decided, you know, I want to, you know, kind of pull out the neutrals. I'm actually going to run neutrals for the team tournament. Um, I'm trying to get them painted up right now. I got uh, um, a bunch of Golden Company on my uh, painting uh, station going to be, you know, 20 points is a lot to work with, so it's uh, it's going to be two Golden Company Swordsmen, um, and then I don't know who my, it's either going to be Roos and Ramsey and, like, Littlefinger um, and Reek as the attachments in NCU, or I'll just run Vargo and Tycho um, and Braun. I uh, haven't completely decided yet between those two variants, um, but with that said, I'm I'm excited to get them painted up. Uh, I, the Golden Company are some of my favorite uh, looking sculpts as far as like knights go. They remind me a lot of the Rose Knights, but our company are just like better looking uh, Rose Knights, um, especially a couple of the sculpts. I know like a lot of the sculpts are you know vary in uh, you know in look. Um, two, two, uh, three of them in particular, the, uh, the sculpt with the tassel, the one 
with the sword kind of pointed like directly at the ground, um, the one with the helmet, and then the banner guy. All three of those sculpts are amazing. The other two I still like, the helmetless guy and the other one, like the bucket head. I still like those, um, but yeah. Anyways, uh, and then uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking about bringing neutrals as well to if I end up having to play because of odd number at uh, our qualifier and just, you know, running uh, running, it, running it there. But anyways, um, uh, next up uh, change is the pass mechanic. Um, so now you count up all of your units, combat and non-combat, whether or not they give you an activation. So um, Gilly, I know she gives you one technically, you know, temporarily, but Gilly will count, and I'm assuming, Brett, you could correct me if I'm wrong, this uh, makes precedent that things like Barack's boar will count, um, and just anything, anything that is considered a unit that, you know, is in your list uh, will count. So, for example, when I say by in your list, um, if you run a skin changer because you can summon a bear, that won't count. The bear is not like, as far as I'm aware, is not part of the list. It's an ability that comes out later on the table and then disappears. Yeah, the you it's I, I think it's honestly relatively clear it's pretty uh it's i think it's pretty simple i don't i don't know that you even need the precedent from the gilly faq i don't even know that gilly needed to be in the faq i think gilly was just answered um just to make it crystal clear but i think it was crystal clear before it's pretty simple you count up all of your units that's ncus and combat units at the start of the game and that's it you don't have a bear with no, yeah. to start the game, so it shouldn't matter. Gilly is an NCU, and in any future, you know, if you've got another similar situation to Sam and Gilly, that they've obviously opened the design space for that to be a possibility. Um, I yep. mean, even if it's even if it's an NCU that does something and then dies, I don't know. It's that's what it is. It's a unit, um, non-combat units. Do you see? Units. Uh, a little off topic, but as a nice watch player yourself, and with Tyene not really seeing much play, even though she did get a buff, uh, do you see the value of Sam and Gilly going down quite a bit because of her potentially taking away a pass token or the pass tokens from you? No, not necessarily. I wouldn't say. I know that the, a lot of the answer is that the Gilly is just unplayable now. I don't really agree. Um, if you're trying to, if you want to do something different with Nightwatch, if you want to kind of try to outsmart the meta, you just put Gilly and Sam in an eight activation list at that point. You know, you, you, you can still squeeze eight activations in pretty comfortably, particularly with John. Um, and they're just an eight with Gilly as a ninth. Odds are your opponents are running seven anyway, so they're going to get a they're going to get a pass token, and then Gilly gives you that leverage to, quote unquote, have a ninth activation. So there's validity to running yeah, an eight fair. activation list anyway. And if you're at that point, there's no reason not to add it. Sam is still very strong, and then if you're throwing Gilly in and you're already running at eight activations, which could be a pretty good recommendation. Um, yeah, 
it's fine. Uh, I, I think what they did was prevent Nightwatch from just – if they hadn't done that, then Nightwatch could run seven activations of Gilead as an ace to kind of cheese the, the pass token. They could get, like, yeah, a I, Gilead's half of a pass token, essentially, you know. She's half of a pass token, yep. but she gets to do stuff. So it was a good choice, and I don't think that it makes her unplayable. Nightwatch doesn't have to play seven activations. They've got the Watch Marshal, yeah. they've got Cold Hands, they've got Ghost. Scorpion is a very good five-point include. You can get a really solid list built with eight activations. Yep. Well, and on that to- uh, topic, my nephew plays Night's Watch, and uh, he's, like, adamant, adamant about six activation Night's Watch. I'm talking, like, the unmovable, you know, four unmovable units with two NCUs. Um and he's loving the pass token mechanic because now his six activations has this, you know, potentially this little trick up its sleeve if, you know, like you are saying, a lot of people are going to be running seven activations. Um, and uh, his lists now are just that much better. But I absolutely love the pass mechanic. I know we kind of didn't really talk about it yet. But uh, uh, anyways, you count up all of your... Uh, combat or all of your units whether it be combat or non-combat if your opponent has more than you you get essentially two pass tokens these tokens are once per game and once per round so you can't use them you know in the same round uh but you have two of them you don't have to use them until you want to um and i personally think it's a great uh change it's uh, it lessens the activation strength a little bit. Uh, activations are still amazing, and I would not recommend anyone purposely just, you know, try to go low activation to get these tokens. One, you're never guaranteed, especially if you go seven. You face them with seven, no one gets any pass tokens. You, your opponent, someone has to have more activations to give out the pass tokens. Um, so it keeps a, a great thing. Um, and uh, so far in all the games I've played, it it's only impactful to the game some of the time. Uh, because a big part of the pass token is knowing when to use it. Uh, especially with my nephew, you know, he, everyone's, I guess, at this point getting used to it, but explaining to him, you know, when to use the pass token, because, like, I think it was first round, he, you know, he just didn't want to move a unit up to not be in range of my, uh, I think it was, like, marked target or whatever, and I told him, I was like, don't use it now. I was like, why are you that worried about getting a vulnerable token? I said, save it. And then another thing that uh, I completely agree with that I heard on Tourney Ground uh, kind of came to the same conclusion a bit later is that uh, using the first uh, the first of the two, you can be a lot more, uh, you know, you can use it a lot more uh, freely. You know, the first opportunity you see that can re- you can really capitalize, use that one. But then the second one, you really want to save it because just the fear or the threat, we'll say, of having a pass in a lot of cases is more uh, is more beneficial to you than actually using it. 
because um, your opponent never knows never knows when you're going to use it. But once you're out, you're out. That's a, the same can be said with any ability where you have only so many order tokens on, let's say, Varus or uh, Aria, um, any of these NCUs with limited number of uses. As, you, as soon as you use that last one, you're, uh, there's like a weight that's lifted off your opponent. So always keep that in mind. Um, Brett, was there anything else you wanted to add to that? Oh, no. I mean, yeah. It's, uh, that's a lot of the lists that I've been seeing are 7 versus 7. Um, of course, there are still people running 8. There's still people running 9. People still push 10, 11, whatever they want to do. But, yeah, I mean, you've just got to know. You don't want to waste the pass token. Um, the recommendation, if you're playing against three folk, I don't think it does a lot. It could be beneficial to prevent them, like, three or four tapping you. But I don't see a ton of benefit to kind of trying to slow them down early. I think against three folk, if they're running the fan list, they've passed token until you kill a unit or two. And now you not only evened up the activations, but the pass tokens don't go away. So... If you brought a fan list and stuff starts to die, there's a good chance that you're going to be punished by your opponent. Now, using pass tokens and not activating you, and that's, that's fair. That's the way it should be. So um, you've just got to know when to use them. You don't, like you said, you don't want to waste them. You don't want to use it for something insignificant. You, it, it, you need to be using it as a, either as a tempo breaker where your opponent's trying to set up a big play to start the round, or as to set up your own tempo, so it'll take yep. a little. It'll take some. It'll take some adjusting. So far, I've only played as seven activations, so that's. I mean, that's where I'm at, and all of my opponents have been seven as well. So. Yeah, yeah. So I would say anyone that's uh, you know getting some games in, give it some time. It's a, a whole new mechanic with a whole new kind of strategy to it. Knowing right when and where and how to use the tokens is going to vary from game to game. But once you kind of master it, you know, you'll, you'll see that it, it can be very game-changing. Um, but it's really going to come down to a lot of, like, experience and player skill. So keep that in mind. All right, let's get right into these Greyjoys. Um, so I, I think there's a couple other smaller changes, but uh, we're just going to jump into the Greyjoys. Anything that we forgot or want to add, we'll... We'll throw into the next episode with the next faction that we talk about. So, as far as tactics cards, uh, let me get back to the change log because unfortunately their website shows all the tactics cards, even the ones that were not changed. This most recent one. All right. So, attachments to tactics cards. So we got finger dance. What is dead may never die. The iron price and raiding call. So, as usual, I'm going to just read all four, excuse me, and um, we'll, uh, we'll discuss them kind of as a group. So, first one is the Iron Price. This one got changed to, at the start of a friendly turn, you can target one friendly combat unit. You may remove one pillage token from that unit. If you do, choose one. That unit may uh, remove one condition token. Or... Uh, where was it? Dang it. All right. <laughs> uh, or that unit may reroll charge distance dice this turn, or that unit's attacks use, uh, 
that unit attacks it's using its highest attack die value this turn. Um, important note, it says this turn. I think a lot of effects do, but uh, if somehow you can get multiple attacks or charges with like overrun, it will apply for all of them within that turn. Uh, finger dance, um, change to be melee only. Uh, I believe that's the only change it got. Uh, if anything else, it may have just reworded uh, it a bit better. Uh, and then the, the, okay, rating call. Rating call is uh, when a friendly Greyjoy infantry unit activates, remove up to four models and up to one pillage token from one other friendly Greyjoy infantry unit in long range, restore that many wounds to this unit and place the remove pillage token on this unit. If any player controls the wealth zone, one friendly Greyjoy infantry unit gains one pillage token. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this was just cleared up wording. Uh, I can't remember what it did before, or I, like the exact wording. Maybe they, uh, I think they just cleared up the wording a bit. And then lastly, we have what is dead may never die. Uh, this one, I think, uh, is a lateral change. Um, I, or I should say, it's a buff. It is, but um, it's not like a straight buff. It's it's almost like a lateral buff, if that makes any sense. But this has two options now. When a friendly combat unit would be destroyed, that unit is not destroyed, but instead remains in play with one wound. And at the start of a friendly turn, target one friendly combat unit. That unit restores one wound plus one wound for each of its destroyed ranks. So at face value, um, overall, if uh, let's just say rating call just for the most part got a rewording, uh, and we're really just talking about the other three, the iron price, in my opinion, getting a huge nerf, finger dance getting a nerf, was dead, may never die, uh, gets a lateral buff. Overall, I see the deck as almost just as useful as it was. Um, I, I, I guess I forgot to start off by saying I'm a little more optimistic about the Greyjoys than I think most are. So if you're hearing my opinion on this and you completely disagree, I'm sure you're not alone. Uh, I'm not just, uh, you know, speaking out my butt, trying to make it seem like this, you know, like Simon can do no wrong or anything. I genuinely uh, am excited about the faction. Uh, I clearly see where they got debuffs and where a lot of things got clearly worse, but I see a lot of potential in things that weren't being played that much or a lot of interesting combos, and we'll go over that. I will admit the iron price is very disappointing to me. Um, so starter friendly combat unit uh, start or starter friendly turn target one friendly combat unit you remove one pillage token to get one of these effects. So I mean if you're at two pillage, you're sacrificing a lot to get one of these effects. Which, um, you know, in a lot of cases, I mean, I guess if it's a weakened token, taking off a weakened token, you could push extra damage that way to get your pillage back or getting your highest attack die, pushing more dice to get your pillage back, or I guess ensuring that you don't disorder. 
So these all have a small potential to ensure you push through at least four wounds to get a rank gone, to then get the pillage that you spent back. But I, I feel like this card is just a gamble, because then if you do use that pillage, you're using that pillage before you attack, meaning because this one does not have the press... Uh, the you know with the timing of this card as starter friendly turn, you're using this long before the attack happens, uh, which means that um, it's not going to be it's going to fall under that same timing as other uh, abilities that say you will get the pillage for the attack. So I don't know personally. I don't. I could see if you only have one pillage on you and you're just giving up that one morale. Definitely, I could definitely see that Um, because you know pushing through the extra damage but even then I mean uh, you're now setting yourself back from getting those two pillages is really where you want to be Um, finger dance I think it's fair um, in the sense that range was too good Uh, but personally I don't know if I'll ever play this card either Um, finger dance only upside to it is that or the only or I should say the only strength it gives the Greyjoy player is the fact that they have the choice of which unit it goes on but outside of that once it's on the unit now there's just as much of an upside as there is a downside because even though um, theoretically once you play it and you get a vulnerable on your opponent and they're taking damage the, I guess the idea is that they're always they should always be behind you in ranks to not be able to then throw it back on you. But if a new unit comes charging in, then you're now have this negative on yourself with no, in my opinion, no like clear buff other than the fact you got to pick who it went on. And then what is Dead Men Ever Die? Uh, again. My only thing I'm concerned about this card is the fact that because you come back with simply one wound instead of the chance of D3, is that if you died from the attack and now have to take a panic test, uh, no matter what you roll on the D3, you're gone. Um, then again, uh, you know you have this other effect. So now what is dead may never die is not a dead card in your hand. You have an additional effect you can use at the start of any friendly turn. Um, so, I don't know. Overall, I think once I kind of play this card enough, the more I play this card and get this card in my hand, the more I think my mind will change, and I'll just simply end up liking it much better than the old version. But at face value, because I have not played a game yet with Greyjoys, I've only played against them, um, I think it's just a slight buff, but in the end, I think it might be a much better card for the the deck just as a whole, not drawing into a dead card and uh, it being a more use, universally playable card. All right, with all that said, Brett, what is your opinion on these four cards, technically, I think, three cards? Well, you said there was no other change to rating call. But that's not true. They lost a plus one. It was, uh, I believe it was, I believe it was, you can move and then you, maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't. I actually need to look. No. (laughs) Give me just a second. The only thing they might have changed was 
uh, clarifying Greyjoy unit to Greyjoy unit, though that could have always been the case. But I know the amount that you heal and the ability of the pillage, I'm pretty sure all that stayed the same. So I don't know. You could be uh, right. Unfortunately, I, 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 could be, I could be wrong. I could be wrong because I, I heard someone, when I, I read someone complaining about it on Discord, and they were saying they were questioning why Greyjoy's lost the plus one. I just didn't play Greyjoy's that much, so I just took it as they knew what they were talking about. But you could be right. It Maybe it never was there. I think it was very... Just very similar to regroup and reform. Um, I don't know. I haven't I haven't digested all of it, and I haven't really thought too much into what the meta can look like. I I largely agree that that finger dance on bows. I'm not sure. I don't know if they designed it with that in mind. Maybe they did when they very initially wrote the deck. They thought, well, we're going to allow this to be on bows, but it could get really out of hand. I I thought it was a little bit too good being able to be played on, on bows, but that was in a different kind of meta where they could drown you with eight or nine activations and things like this. So, um, I oh, yeah. like, uh, the finger dances, I, I'll admit was too good on bows. I know it was a go-to for everyone. They liked it so much, but what was it? Um, I played against John Cash at, uh, I think it was Gen Con last year. And, I brought his flayed. I shot three times with a finger dance bowman into his flayed men and brought him down to one wound, round one. And so the whole game, he just had to run away with an eight-point unit that got shot by four-point unit. Like, and from the front yeah. too. I didn't have rerolls or anything, but that vulnerable token is huge. So, um, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I had games. I had games in the previous version where I lost my entire army to Greyjoy boats. So um, I don't really yep. want to comment too much on it because I had <laughs> a little bit of I, I had a little bit of time period where I just didn't like Greyjoys, and so I don't want any of my I don't want to sit and be biased and say anything. I don't know. Maybe it could have been fine with the change. It, this is what we had. Um, I'm sure that if it proves to be an unpopular card. And if the, the masses just can't get on board with it, then I'm sure they'll change it. So some kind of rework or uh, some kind of buff. They don't normally, so far as I know, they don't normally just walk back on things and just give it the old version. Maybe they have. Yep. I can't really think of an exception where they ever were just like, okay, well, we did this and now we're just undoing it. So um, maybe they'll just get some kind of a rework. I'm not sure. I think they like it because it's thematic for the game that the Greyjoy people play, but um, I don't know the lore, so I don't know. But, um, yeah. At any rate. What about, what's the, about the iron price? The iron price, I, I get where they're going. Greyjoy's had a ton of resilience and a ton of healing. Um, I used to joke about it. Maybe I was a little mean, but... I used to joke about it and call Greyjoys, a.k.a. your secondary killer. If you play Greyjoys at a tournament, chances are, even if you're playing like your all-out aggressive list, you may, not, you may not kill anything. You may just kill one unit of bowmen. I know when I played an indie, um, 
Starks were like super underrated last version. Um, and so I wanted to bring Starks to kind of show, hey, they've got, they've got chops. So I played Starks and every opponent except for the Greyjoy that I played, I had a ton of kill points. And against the Greyjoy opponent, I killed one unit of both. Maybe, maybe a trapper. <laughs> but this was a list that was getting full, full wipe or very close to it. And I couldn't kill more than two trap units, basically. I know that I got rid of, it took a lot to get rid of the boat. And then I think maybe I was able to kill trappers. And that was all of the restores my army had. And then from there, I was actually running away from Reapers with Ramsey and Silence Men with Roost. I just couldn't engage anything. So um, I understand the Iron Price was a big, 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 I mean, it was a big swing with healing. It had a downside. You had to sacrifice your pillage tokens, but most often it was worth it. And I, I spent a little bit of time playing Greyjoys too, and that card was kind of a crutch. Um, it just sucked if you drew it early in the game because you kind of had to hold on to it because it was such a big, impactful card. Uh, I'm yeah. not really sure. I don't. I just don't have the experience piloting Greyjoys. They're one of the factions that I just don't play a lot. Greyjoys, Baratheons, and Freefolk, I just don't pilot them very much to really sit here and say how impactful it is. Um, I just... So, terrible, I never really... Luck. I, I mean, the iron, the iron Price before was maybe maybe too good. I don't know. Uh, I never... Again, since you had to spend the pillage, to me, I guess, in my mind, it never seemed too good. It just seemed good. Um, but I would say now the fact that you can, you have to spend at least a pillage to get anything and you may only spend one pillage to do anything is is like, they, is like a 180, you know, uh, if, you know, if I, you know, again, uh, I like the wish list, uh, on here. I know some people are like it and some people it's a little unpopular, but I would have loved to see this card just be get one of these effects and get one more for every pillage you spend. Uh, and even then, I wouldn't even consider it to be like an amazing card. I would just, it'd be good. Because again, you run into that situation that you get so many buffs for having the uh, uh, pillage now that you're inclined to never spend the pillage. And then, uh, you know, it ends up being a card that's not really used. But we'll see. Um, again, this is all just uh, me talking about something that I have not played with, only against. Um, so we'll see uh, you know, how it goes. And then lastly, uh, what's your thoughts on what is Dead May Never Die? There are some pluses and there are some minuses to it. I think overall it's probably fine. Um, I think for the most part, Greyjoys almost felt obligated around Peter Baelish because of the requirement to own the swords. While it was always a very good, strong card, I think that downside of potentially taking D3 wounds when you don't own the swords could kind of... It's not that it made it bad, because you still got to stay alive. The card just worked. Um, but yep. the, the, the taking the D3 wounds could make it not reach its full potential, I'll say that. Um, 
said, as it is now, you mentioned it has a little bit more flexibility. It, but it was just another case of a card where if you drew both of them, for example, in round one, you're like, well, I guess I'm kind of boned on the rest of my deck for the first couple of rounds <laughs> because you don't want to you don't want to throw them out. And so that was always my. I usually throw always, one out. Yeah, like that was if I ever, my uh, I had that happen a couple times. I'd throw one and just sit there holding the the other one for the whole game. My take was when I played them, I I thought that their their biggest downside was less than the units. I thought the units are great. The deck is great. Um, it just seemed like if you drew the cards in the wrong order, it was really bad. Um, so I always ran Roger Carlaw as much as I could because of that. So, oh yeah. Um, all right, so we'll speed through these next couple because only a couple things changed. Um, so Asha, her card changed uh, for Warcry only. It is now um, you get both tokens if it's Asha's unit uh, making a, a successful morale test. Um, for Victorian, he's uh, sustained assault changed, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, it's just the second part. Victorian, if it's on Victorian's unit, he can re-roll a tactice rather than give out a vulnerable token. I could be wrong. Uh, the sustained assaults have always kind of mixed me up because there's so many of them. Um, for Theon, uh, let's see, his uh, Stark Exposure card has now been reworded, similar to a lot of other cards, to be um, when performing, or where is it, Stark Boat, when a friendly unit successfully charges, you choose uh, one of the effects. Um, they just, I believe, uh, just reworded it to be more in line to when the timing is actually supposed to trigger the card. Um, let's see here. Euron did not change. Um, Dagmir, he had one card change. What was it? Uh, Knowledge Paid in Iron. That card... Uh, I believe just reworded it a bit to reflect the new pillage uh, mechanic. Um, yep. Let's see. Um, Victorian, Theon, Dagmir. Okay, the next two is Eric and Balon. They both got big changes with their Tactus cards. As usual, I'll read them all and then we'll discuss them uh, as a group. So, uh, Balon's a little easier. Uh, he has Price of Failure, which changed to be much, much better. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best card in the game, but it is probably easy top five uh, now, in my opinion. It is now when a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice. All attack dice rolls automatically hit for this attack. After this attack is completed, if the defender was not destroyed, the attacker, the attacker becomes panicked and vulnerable. And then uh, he has, or, uh, I'll expand on that, and Brett, you let me know if I'm incorrect. Technically, you still roll all the dice. So if you have critical blow, or if your opponent has something that says for every one you roll, uh, not for every miss, because they all count as hit, hitting. But if they have something that requires a, sp a particular number being rolled on the die, you still roll for the sake of finding out if those trigger, correct? Yeah, you always follow every step of an attack. You don't okay. ever skip any, any step. So keep so that yes, in mind, everyone listening. If you play Price Failure, if 
if you want to save time, technically you don't have to roll if the numbers literally don't matter. If you don't have critical blow, precision, or whatever the case may be, you don't, you know, I'm telling you I wouldn't care if I was a TO if you just skipped that step or if I was playing against you. But technically you would roll the dice. Um, all right, acceptable sacrifices. This changed quite a bit. Um, I, at first, was not happy with the change until I realized what the faction did as a whole and how the pillage changed. Now now I absolutely love this card. Start of a friendly turn, target one friendly combat unit other than Balon's unit. You may have that unit suffer up to two wounds and become panicked. If you do, target one other friendly Greyjoy unit in long range. They gain one pillage token for each wound suffered. So... Um, we'll get back to that one, but, um, all right, the last one is the old way, when, uh, it has two different options, when, uh, where'd it go, um, when a friendly unit is performing a morale test after rolling dice, if this unit has one pillage token, it may re-roll any dice for this test, if this has two pillage tokens, it passes instead, or, when a friendly unit is performing an attack after rolling attack dice, if this unit has one pillage token, the defender becomes vulnerable. If this unit has two pillage tokens, it also may re-roll any dice. Um, so as a whole, absolutely amazing cards. Um, Balon still has, or I shouldn't say still has, I think he changed a little bit. He has Field by Slaughter and Kraken's Dues. When this unit activates, you may spend one friendly target one friendly house Greyjoy unit, you may remove one pillage token from that unit and place it on this unit. Then you may remove one pillage token from this unit to restore two wounds to this unit. A lot of text, but it's basically reverse uh, divide the spoils. Um, so I would say between his abilities and his cards, he's now, you know, way up there in... Uh, you know, I wouldn't say best commander out there, but with his lineup of cards within his faction, like not in a vacuum, but within the context of his faction, he's way up there in value. Um, <clears throat> absolutely love these cards. Acceptable sacrifices is key. I think Balon is now the go-to commander for Greyjoys. I do have a sample list that uh, if we have time, I'll share with you guys to try out if you're a little discouraged by some of the changes uh, that I think will do very well. Um, but uh, acceptable sacrifices, if you have, like, a drowned men, you, can, you can't you can get rid of that panic with them, but you can immediately heal those two wounds you take. Now you have two free pillage. As uh, Brett was saying, Harlaw's uh, stock value um, went way up with, this, uh, with the fact that a couple of the cards are not as desirable and some are a lot more desirable combined with, like, if you're running Balon. If you can get acceptable sacrifices right away, you can get a ton of pillage right away, and now you have all these awesome buffs. Uh, again, Price of Failure, probably top five card in the game now, and he has it, and the old way, um, especially if you can get acceptable sacrifices and get all these pillage out. Um, the old way does not require you to spend pillage, and both of these effects are amazing. Rerolling or auto-passing or vulnerable and or uh, re-rolling attack dice, if you didn't already. Uh, awesome effects. Uh, Brett, what's your thoughts on Balon? No, I think he's great. Um, I pretty well agree with everything you said. Um, some really nice combos that you can pull. Could be very well just 
unexplored, um, I encourage you to, to try them. I encourage you to try some of the combinations that you're talking about because you play Greyjoys a lot more than I do. So I would take your advice on playing them a little bit better. Um, I haven't been able to get a solid read from Mikel. Um, I don't think there's any debate. Best Greyjoy player in the world. Um, I can't get a lot of solid, great feedback from him. I think he's 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 kind of struggling with the changes because I think he he sees that the way that the the Greyjoys wanted to play has kind of been reinvented. So, um, other than that, I, I mean, I'm looking and I'm seeing. I'm seeing some things that you can do. Um, and I don't think you want to be discouraged because you feel like the seven activation meta has completely destroyed Greyjoy's ability to play eight. I think they're probably just fine still playing eight. Um, the only downside I would have with Balon's commander at this point is that I think his NCU is insanely good. Um, yep. So you can't bring him, but a lot of lists uh, archetypes I'm seeing bring Balon into you to kind of, you know, take your probably nasty unit of silence then and bring them back again. So I could I could see it. I, I think his commander is really strong. So uh, a field by slaughter seems to be like maybe the best ability this version so far. Yep. I think a lot of people uh, undervalue. Um, Field by slaughter, uh, especially at one point, because um, you know you still have that war sworn for one point to give field by slaughter. Um, but uh, all right, so on to Eric Ironmaker, amazing uh, attachment now, or amazing uh, commander in my opinion. He now has divide the spoils, so he can uh, start of any turn target one friendly house Greyjoy unit in short range. You remove one pillage token from that unit, and then place one pillage token on one other friendly house Greyjoy unit in short range of them. So it almost has long range still. You just have to make sure the first one that you're taking the pillage from is in short and then giving it to someone within short of them. Essentially, they could be at long range or even further technically because um, you got, let's say they're just exactly six inches away and then the one that you're putting it on is then six inches away from them. You know, I think that ends up being like 12, 17 or so inches. You can essentially hop pillage around. He also has gifts of silver and bronze. Each time a friendly NCU claims the wealth, this unit gains one pillage token. Uh, the upside to it being only friendly is it gives you a little more reason to want to take the wealth means if you like if you run brawn or something else that gives you some more buffs similar to like if you were like Lannisters and needed the crown. Um you know, maybe you're putting a little too many eggs in one basket, but it also means that your opponent is gonna be tempted to take the bag overtaking the free attack. Uh his cards, you got two that change, Iron's Endurance. When an enemy is performing a melee attack after rolling defense dice, target the defender, it blocks one hit. If this targeted Greyjoy unit, after the attack is completed, attach this card to that unit until the end of the game. While attached, gain the following bonus based on the number of pillage tokens. And the effects are accumulative. Uh, one token each time, or one or more tokens each time this unit is attacked after the attack, dice, uh, attack is completed. 
one enemy engaged with this unit becomes weakened. And then uh, two pillage, each time this unit passes a morale test, it restores one wound. Uh, and then gold's allure. When a friendly unit is performing a morale test after rolling dice, it may reroll any dice for this test. On its success, if this targeted a Greyjoy unit, attach this card to that unit until the end of the game. While attached, gain the following bonuses based on the number of pillage. Effects are cumulative. Uh, one or more, plus one to morale test rolls. And two, this, if, if this unit would gain a pillage token, it restores one wound instead. Uh, great abilities uh, combined with this other card, um, which didn't change. But now that... Uh, um, you know, these uh, steel smite still requires you to remove the tokens. So I'm thought that one was a little odd that uh, you know he didn't keep with the theme of the new cards and just have the effects based on pillage or something. It would have been nice to kind of see that change and keep the theme. But with that said, there's a lot less spending of pillage than before, so it's not as big of a deal because um, you are getting straight up buffs with this one that will push damage to give you your uh, thing back and the remove token still counts for any effects so you'll still have the extra attack die for having two tokens and so on um combine some of these effects uh to have so many effects if you have two pillage you know if you have two on reavers you're looking at uh plus uh plus two to morale uh one from the lore one from the main effect you're getting an extra wound healed every time you gain a pillage when you already have two. You're going to throw out weakened tokens. You're going to heal one every time you pass your five-up morale, and that's without any other buffs. you got plus one attack die. All these are just from having iron endurance, gold allure, and the base pillage mechanic. That's a lot for a five-point unit, uh, especially if you throw one more point and uh, throw a fuel by slaughter on there. You can, you know, it's going to be a crazy good unit. Uh, with these effects on there. Uh, what do you think, Brett? Be muted. Are you still there? Yep, I was muted, sorry. I thought his card was <laughs> here. good before. Um, they've definitely changed it to where you can get some of these effects and some of these buffs throughout the entire game. Um, he looks pretty solid to me. Um, this is just, it's, it's definitely not my expertise of a faction, but it seems like, I mean, anytime you have effects that are similar to an ability that you already have access to, and you can basically stack those effects. Um, so I'm talking about being able to heal when you pass a morale test. card that was, it was gold allure. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. So being able to double that up with Dauntless, you're you're getting into the realm of, you know, Barrison tell me when he controls the crown. Uh, I think it's duty to the crown is the name of the ability. Very, very strong ability. Um it just it has to be seen. Uh you know, as we we've seen things like this before. If a meta shifts to a little bit more aggressive and offensive then then the stock and healing becomes much better. As long as they can't one shot you. As long as you can prevent a one-shot, then healing effects are always great. Because if the entire goal of a list is to kill you, and that's all that it does, and you can prevent that from happening, then there you go. You've just essentially stopped that list. Um, so we'll have to see how things develop. I think this, the meta is still very young. This is super similar to what it was when Season 2 dropped. 
and the initial the initial reaction was uh, gnash, uh, you know, grinding of gnashing of teeth. Is it gnashing of teeth? At any rate, <laughs> the initial effect was, or the initial the initial reaction from a number of people was, oh, this is terrible. This is stupid. This is the worst patch ever. This is horrible. And then as it kind of fleshed itself out over the next couple of months, it was kind of people kind of came to realize with a few exceptions, it was a really really good patch. And I feel like this patch is going to be the same thing. Um, it's moved in a direction. It's a different direction. People aren't used to that direction. So there's obviously some resistance to that change. That's natural human reaction to anything, uh, particularly gamers. We, we hate two things. We hate when things change. We hate when things stay the same. You can't win. We're, we're, we're hard to please. Yep. We're hard to please. So I think as some of this meta matures as these lists kind of lock in and you say, okay, well, this is definitely what's working. But I mean, so far it's kind of like season two. I mean, a number of things work and I don't know that there's just one set list that's just going to work and it's going to be the, 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 what, what stops everything um, for the, for the last couple of seasons. Then obviously we had all the crossbows, um, when when 2021 dropped, that was this was one list to destroy them all. Um, you had to really hard counter it, and a number of times, even if you hard countered it, you still had to have luck to win. Uh, then you then you go to season two. It was very clearly, blatantly, man, completely dominated the game, completely ruled everything. Arguably more so than awful. I would say that Mance was worse than awful. Um, then you move into season or excuse me, Mantle Season 1, when you move into Season 2, you, the Veramir slash Sire pairing was, I mean, it was what you had to play to beat. Um, you know, you had a couple of other things working. People didn't like, like John Mag, Hunters. yeah. People didn't like John Hunters. People, but John Hunters wasn't super overly dominant. Um, it just, uh, outside of the U.S., I mean, I, I won, obviously, I won a depth comp with John Hunters, but it didn't turn into the monster that people thought it was. It was not just globally winning big events. It wasn't routinely stomping things. It wasn't, it was pretty well solved. So um, we don't have anything that's jumping out right this minute that just screams, hey, this is crazy, nuts, overpowered. You have equal complaints about Golden Company Swords with Cotter, Golden Company Swords with Gregor. I'm starting to hear some grumbling about Starks. And honestly, I don't mean to be like the, the pushback against the community because I'm definitely on you guys' side. I'm on the community side. I'm a member of the community. But I always kind of like to try to offer an alternate take on it. And my take is if someone is complaining, I won't say the B word, if, if, if you have complaints across the globe about every faction, like, oh, well, Starks are overpowered. Uh, Tully Cab, this is absolutely ridiculous. Tully Cab, Eddard Commander, so much healing, so much sustain. Great John one shots, this is completely broken. And then somewhere else, it's, oh, Gregor, so broken. What are you supposed to do about Gregor? Oh, Cotter Pike, Cotter Pike is so broken. What are you supposed to do about Cotter Pike? Oh, Targaryens, Targaryens are so broken. What are you supposed to do about the Pyat Cree denial with the merchant and, and Call Drogo with all of this mobility? Dreamers were buffed. You know, it's like, there's a number of complaints, so that probably means things are pretty fair. Kind of like if you go to a, 
a game and half of the audience says the referees favored Team A, the other half says the referees favored Team B. It was probably a pretty fair game. So that's just kind of my take on, on everything in life. So I have not seen anything that's super dominant. I, I've built I've built lists that I like, put together a list and say, yeah, this is good, that, that you're not going to be able to – you're going to have to outplay me to beat this list, basically. And I, I can't put a list together like that. There's so many hard counters to everything. And so basically all that is to say that it's, it's, it's a very immature, it's a very young meta. It hasn't developed. It hasn't gelled. It hasn't hardened. It hasn't solidified. We don't know. We don't know what you're going to go see. Certainly don't know what you're going to go see. We're running the first TTS event. We'll see what happens there. We'll see what wins. We'll see what people are bringing. The lists are open, but we're not going to go into that. U.S. Nationals obviously is coming up in less than a month or about a month, right? September 16th and 17th were August 15th, so it's about a month away. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, yep. I just don't know. I can't answer it. I don't know what you'll run into. You might <laughs> run into something you've never seen before, and it might whoop your ass. I don't know. Like Ober and Bastard Girls. <laughs> well, yeah, um, probably going to be good. All right, so uh, we're going to try to get through the rest of this uh, uh, a little quicker, just because Greyjoys is probably the biggest change of all the factions. Just so much change. Um, a lot of this next stuff, most of it, not all of it, is for the better. Uh, and we'll, uh, let's see. So we got Baylor Blacktide, went from two points to one point. Amazing attachment now, in my opinion. Uh, Theon Greyjoy went from two points to one point. Again, amazing uh, attachment now. Went from uh, hard to justify to uh, a really good one point. Asha got changed to have uh, Iron Resolve, uh, which I think is completely fine. Um, I thought, you know, Asha was too good to begin with. Um, for one point, a Warcry and an Iron Resolve, I think that's fair. Uh, when you can put her... In, so I'll say this about all Warcry, Order Warcries. When you can put it in a reliable uh, morale-passing unit, I mean, think of it just as Mark Target, with options. So if you think Mark Target's a good uh, ability, then why isn't this one if it should be passing like 90% of the time? And then on top of that, you get an Iron Resolve to boot. Um, let's see. Uh, what am I missing here? Oh, Victorian. Victorian went from three points to two points. Uh, still oddly the worst of the three uh, Relentless, not only for the fact that you can only take one of them, but the second ability having a, pure, or a, a Furious Charge is much, le much less uh, use useful than um, Go Down Fighting, and especially much uh, less useful than Boldness and Courage. But still, um, I know... I I still seem to be in the minority, but I think Relentless is too good. Uh, I don't see it played almost ever anywhere, except for when uh, my nephew plays it in his Night's Watch and utterly destroys me with a bajillion free attacks. And I know some people might say, well, then just don't attack him, but you can't not attack uh, unless you're choosing to retreat if you're engaged. <laughs> so... Um, 
and shooting them to death doesn't work too too often when they just heal a bajillion wounds between you know all their healing effects and amon and all that so a little rant over uh but i think victorian going down to two points um makes him a lot more fair than the other two options uh and i'm excited to kind of throw him in a unit of silencement or something see uh how that pans out nice nine point unit for someone to just shoot to death all right uh let's see didn't go over theon as the commander version but he i believe is the same other than he was given the order sentinel uh, amazing ability uh you can get by it but i i think it really puts your opponent in a hard uh, into a, in between a hard a rock and a hard place if you position certain units just right to really capitalize especially if you put theon in something that's going to be able to kind of hang back and then get in and then make use of that ambush effect that he has plus with the enhanced mobility which is one of my favorite abilities in the game and then asha didn't touch on either um she like her uh one point attachment version she has iron resolve but she was also in the last patch didn't really cover it much but she was given boldness uh charisma uh combined with stubborn tenacity is a nice lineup of abilities and i think um not the best uh attachment out there but when you have three nice abilities like this can't really ever complain um you know stubborn tenacity great iron resolve great um you know so i'd say you know it sucks that she didn't have her bubble anymore but if you've not already noticed the theme or played uh the great joys yet getting an amazing uh or getting a your pillage out there and then getting that plus one morale buff everywhere especially if you run embolden with the uh we'll talk about them in more detail in a minute but black tide chosen uh on top of running some commanders with let's say asha with iron resolve and uh just all these other effects you can get your uh great entire Greyjoy force to be great to average uh morale just naturally from attachments and the pillage effect so uh and i think people uh you know they're so used to that bubble that now you don't even have to stay like next to anything with you know asha the way you used to um now you can kind of spread out or do what you need to because the the morale is going to stay with you with the exception of the embolden uh let's see um victarian commander uh gives vicious in addition to his fierce charge and overrun our uh victorian used to be or probably i don't know i'll have to play some games but prior to this update he was my favorite uh greyjoy commander and the fact that i was already using him without vicious the fact that he got it you know i'm not going to argue i think it's uh, a nice touch um especially if you throw him in silence men that have that minus 1 to minus 2 bubble you can really uh you know uh beef up that combo there all right um oh the drown prophet uh still two points but was given go down fighting in addition to resilience um another ability i think is highly uh, underrated uh resilience is amazing i know a lot of people didn't want to spend two points on it uh depending on what you put it in uh i mean you're going to make that two point investment go a long way 
Um, so I would highly suggest people try out the new Drown Prophet. Uh, I'm excited to the go down fighting, um, you know, really punishing your opponent when they finally do take you down some ranks. All right. So thing you wanted to add on all of those uh, uh, changes? No, I, th I think your summary is fine. There's not really any need to kind of double down on anything you said. All right. Um, we can jump into the NCUs. A lot of changes. Um, so first one, probably the most controversial, is Baron Blacktide. He went down to four points instead of five, but now he just gives the influence, which gives hardened, which is each time an enemy is performing an attack on this unit, after rolling defense dice, this unit blocks one hit for each of his destroyed ranks. Um, I mean... I'm the oddball. I almost never ran Baron Blacktide at five points. I know he was really good. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't that I didn't like him. I just uh, I just found a lot more value in running three four-point NCUs. Um, you know, Eric, Wendemir, um, either Littlefinger or Harlaw. I just found them way more useful, and that extra point uh, was a lot more important to me to get onto the field. Um, so I rarely ran Baron Blacktide before. I will admit, though, uh, for those that are kind of complaining about him, uh, Hardened is not great anymore. Um, old Hardened, yeah, uh, I would say I'd probably still, I'd run him quite a bit at four points if it was Old Hardened, whereas one plus one for every destroyed rank. Now, Old Hardened was too good, as just a base ability that you gave to someone or as like a one-point attachment um, or a commander ability. But as a four-point NCU, I don't know. Um, I would have just liked to see him be something different. I don't know what you do. Um, I haven't thought about it too much, but I can't imagine we're going to see a whole lot of Baron Blacktide anymore. Um, next up, we got... Uh, Koro, uh, he is now once per game at the start of any turn. You may use this ability. If you do, until the end of the next turn, your opponent may not use orders or tactics cards. Once, and then he also has a once per game when Morocco or Morcoro claims the zone. You may replace the zone's effect with return one previously destroyed friendly attachment to a friendly combat unit, replacing a model as usual but ignoring the usual attachment limits. Uh, he is four points. I believe he went down a point as well. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, very powerful, but not going to be easy to use. His first ability, like, not e what I mean by that is you're going to have to really wait for the right moment. A once per game is always like that, um, where, like, it's a timing thing. Um, now, his other one, you're just going to have to kind of wait for it to be available, like a unit to be dead to bring it back. But, uh, you know, it's uh, going to see a lot, a lot more play than he did before. Let's see. Trister Botley. Uh, very disappointed with him. I liked the way he was before. Not that I used him a whole lot, but in super niche lists, I loved what he used to do. But now he is a once per game at the start of any turn. You may select one tactic zone. If you do, both players count as controlling that zone until the end of the round. Um, I liked the idea of just blocking a zone, saying a player couldn't take it, 
rather than just saying both players control a zone. Because, um, let's see, going back, oh, I don't have the tax cards pulled up anymore. But now that you don't really need the swords for what is dead and may never die, the zones seem a lot less important on controlling a zone. I know it's uh, com combos with uh, Kraken's Wrath, I think it's called, uh, but like it, it won't combo with, let's say, um, Eric Ironmaker, where you actually have to claim the bags to get the pillage token. So, um, I don't know. Uh, I would just much rather run Littlefinger, uh, who will let only me count as controlling it. Now, I, granted, Kraken's Wrath will care for both of us controlling it, but that's one tactics cards for a four-point NCU. It doesn't seem like a whole lot. I could be missing a combo there. Once I finish up the NCUs, I'll let uh, Brett chime in and see if I'm missing something. Once per game, when an enemy NCU activates, you may select two tactic zones. If that NCU claims either zone this activation, target up to two combat units. They become panicked and vulnerable. So this could be amazing. Because um, unless I'm reading this incorrectly, uh, Brett, if I select two combat units, they both become panicked and vulnerable. So that's four tokens. So it's not that if I pick two units, I have to pick which one is panicked and which one is vulnerable. Which which card is this? What's the verbiage on it? Chris, for, uh, Chris, I don't have I don't have the I don't have the uh, in front of me. I'm still I'm still out and about. It's uh no, you're good. It's uh Botley, um, four point NCU. It says uh, word for word is once per game when an enemy NCU activates, you may select two tactic zones. If that NCU claims either zone this activation, target up to two enemy combat units, period. Or no, comma. They become panicked and vulnerable. Yeah, that's correct. You choose up yeah, to two so because they, the, the verbiage is similar to Ilaria to make sure that there's no question like, well, you I only had one combat unit, so you can't do this. It was just a... Yep quality of life change with the wording so you'll target up to two that can be zero one or two they both gain each of the condition tokens so that would be a total of four tokens so um that could definitely make him extremely uh powerful especially if your opponent if there's only two zones left and your opponent now has to choose okay do i even claim a zone or do i give that uh, give them four tokens uh so Especially with it being that com particular combination, a lot of people, you know, uh, weakened and vulnerable is usually good too because, you know, weakens are always good, vulnerables are always good. But panicked and vulnerable is a great combination since they're both of the um, defensive uh, debuffs or rerolls. So I think uh, even though I'm disappointed with the change to the first part, uh, his second part, if I'm not mistaken, also changed, and it's much more powerful. So overall, a better NCU than before. Just a little disappointed in that one change. Um, then we have Windermere. Only change about Windermere, if I'm not mistaken, he just doesn't start with an order token. Otherwise, he is exactly the same. He replaces his own, gets an order. If he wants, he can replace his own, get an order token, then use that order token to do any of the things that he could before. Um, and let's see, lastly, we have Balon Greyjoy. 
Uh, he has the once per game when Balon activates, instead of claiming a zone, redeploy one previously destroyed house Greyjoy combat unit fully within long range of a friendly deployment edge or fully within short range of any flank table edge. It deploys with any pillage tokens it previously had. If the unit had not activated this round, it deploys unactivated. Otherwise, it deploys activated. Now, important note here is it's when Balon activates uh, and instead of claiming his zone. So um, a lot of things, I believe, will not shut him off or stop him from doing this ability because uh, a lot of things will be like on claiming a zone trigger. Well, since he is not claiming a zone, um, it won't uh, trigger any of those effects. Um, since it's when he's activating, he'll be able to do this before something that would shut it off, if I'm not mistaken, Britt. Um, and then I'll just, I'll, what's your thoughts on all these NCUs, starting with uh, Balon here? I think it's really nice. I actually like the Botley change. Um, I instantly thought of a question. Uh, it's probably a really good question. What if you use Botley for, to make both of you control the water garden? So who who doesn't control any zones or do you just both? No one counts as claiming any zone. No one controls any zone because the water gardens makes you your opponent count as no zone, but you both don't. But you both control it. I think this has come up with Baelish, right? Yep. Um, so I really think it's an endless one. loop, and it it ends in a draw. Yeah, I mean, I would honestly say if you do the water gardens, <laughs> neither one of you control zones, so eat it. Could be really useful, actually, against Martell. Um, I'm not going to lie. That could be pretty useful. Yeah, at the sacrifice of you not owning zones, which you don't necessarily have to as Greyjoy's to function, it could be worth it to completely... Sh you would shut down... Obviously, you'd shut down Alaria, who's their big one, but, I mean, that that was the downside with Doran before maybe you won't see Doran as much now. I think he's still fine. It's still victory points. But um the downside when I playing Martel's a little bit, I, I just didn't run him. It was like, well he can easily be countered. He can easily be countered. I need the zone, so why would I bring him and get the mm -hmm. chance for my opponent to shut me controlling zones down? I would rather, you know, just deal with intrigue and Olena when they come up, but like I want Alaria to work. I don't want to be obligated to own the water garden. So interesting. No, I, I like I like Botley. Uh Balon, obviously it's a buff. Now that brings into the equation was the omission of full tactics board intended? We don't know that. We don't know that, but if you, you can't play it. You can't play it how it was last version. You shouldn't. You can't assume that they you cannot assume that they omitted that on accident until they make an official statement, until they make some kind of statement, really, what's your justification for doing anything but what's written in the rule book and in the FAQ? It's not there. So that, that rule doesn't exist. So, it, And it could be intentional for something like Balon, because if Balon can activate still with the board fool, you could argue instead of claiming a zone, but I think maybe they FAQ'd that as it pertained to here we stand previously. So it's kind of a can of worms. 
I don't feel like wrapping my head around it because we've been talking for a long time. But if it works and Balon can activate without being able to move on to a zone and use his ability, that's pretty damn strong. But I think he's just strong either way. So uh, to so I heard everything you're just saying about the tech support. I heard all of that talk between a bunch of people. Um, so just tell me if I'm kind of just reading something wrong here. But if you go on their main page, uh, so a Song of Ice and Fire uh, tabletop miniatures game dot com or Song of Ice and Fire dot dot com, you go under the uh, uh, documents. Go under rulebook and game modes, download rulebook, go to rulebook, go to page 20. It says in the NCU section, underneath the picture, it says uh, a full tactics board. Uh, sorry. Um, in the event that an NCU would activate, but there is no remaining empty zones on the tactics board, then that NCU does not move onto the tactics board and its activation ends. Is that different? Is that new? No, it's that's in what a it was red box. The, that was the, that's what it was before the addendum to the FAQ. They added in a RADA okay. that said an NCU can't even activate. The key point is with that line, section of the rulebook is the very last line, then its activation ends. The activation had to begin for it to end. And so essentially you're just activating them and they can't do anything. Then their activation ends, but you, you met the criteria for what you have to do in your turn. Yep. Okay. I wasn't sure if maybe like that red box was never there and then they went back on their ruling in the FAQ and this red box appeared to show that, but I guess if, I don't know, uh, maybe I just never noticed that it was there prior to the, um, that activation uh, ruling in season two. That was season two, right? Yeah, that they put that in there. It was there. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, we. I feel like we always have to just assume that it was intentional until they say otherwise. Um, I mean, it's better than the alternative to try to assume that it was not, because uh, we have to assume one or the other. Um, otherwise, we don't have any way to, you know, we don't have any solid ruling how to play the game. So, um, well, you don't have to. You don't have to assume anything. Assuming is what is what gives you that the rules would work as they did last version. That's the assumption. You don't assume anything. You read the rule book. You read the FAQ, and it's not there. So you play by yep. the rules. There's really no justification for doing it any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts on the other NCUs? Got Baron, Mokoro, and Wendemir? I think as the Drowned Prophet becomes seen as a really good attachment, Baron ends up being incredibly good. You can still mix Resilience and Hardened, um, and you can just pick yeah. the unit that it goes on. It have to be Balon's unit, Baylor's unit, I mean. Um I think Baron's change is fine. Um, and then what? who else have we not covered? Uh, Makoro and Wendemir. Wendemir, it feels like they had a goal, what they were trying to do. 
maybe so they they hit the iron price for the healing they hit baron for the resilience which honestly baron had to change baron was nuts he was essentially a giant ability on a stick and so it was much at least with a giant you can auto wound you can precision and work around it because it only had six wounds giving that giant ability to a 12 wound unit was absolutely nuts um in particular because it made them so good at honed and ready put a park a unit of bowmen with baron on them and they didn't even have to care about castle walls so that said the baron change is good and um makaru makaro he just he just got better and i think you're seeing an attachment heavy meta which opens up the reason to run jockin's attachment that's a whole nother conversation but anything with attachment play is better yep. now because you're actually seeing attachments which is a good thing um i don't see any downside to encouraging you know by Simon to encourage heavy uh attachments you know because i feel like that I mean, this is just me guessing, but I feel like that's just how this game was meant to be played. Lots of characters in these uh, units, you know, epic battles with, uh, you know, I guess not technically epic. It's not like it's huge, huge armies facing each other. But, you know, it's, you know, I always kind of envisioned, you know, the characters we love from the books being on all these battlefields. And, you know, <laughs> most competitive games almost feel like it's just the commander and then people working in the backgrounds, a.k.a. the uh, NCUs. So uh, I welcome um, the encouragement of uh, attachments in every unit. Um, yep. I have know, to agree with you. So I, I, think, I think this is the first time that the game is really functioning as I would think that it was designed. I mean, the rule book says you play a game in an hour. That's not really possible when you're playing peekaboo and run and hide type tactics. They wanted you to yeah. fight. That's that's why it's what it is. They wanted yeah. you to fight and control objectives. So getting into the units here as we wind down to the end of the show, uh, talk to, I'll talk about them probably in pairs. The first two we'll talk about is the Black Ties Chosen, the Ironborn Bowman, because they both give Divide the Spoils. Um, Black Ties Chosen uh, was given Embolden. Um, let's see, four up, seven up. The Embolden makes them back down. I think that what they were, a six up. Um, let's see. Uh, I can't remember what they were. It's but I want to say they did technically get a buff. Um, Divide the Spoils is better now, in my opinion, um, because you can kind of hold on to those pillage till you're ready to give them away. I know, like, you have to do a little more moving around type stuff, and it's short range, essentially, to long range or longer range. Um, but you can hold on to those pillage till you're ready to dis. Uh, distribute them when you need to whereas there's times where I would try to divide the spoils before and it just everyone already had them um, but now you can hold on to them uh, until you're ready and they will still get the universal buff of plus one morale and plus one attack die uh, by having those holding on to them um, overall though I still see them as the you know the embolden is big I would say the embolden 
puts them into the at least into the conversation of the seven point units, but I would say they are still the weaker of the three seven point options for uh Greyjoys. And then we have probably the most controversial unit is the Bowman. They were probably like the number one MVP before the change. Now a lot of people would argue that they are not worth taking or you'd only take one just so you have range. Um uh, I'll throw it out there that I say I think they're a perfect one of in instead of just spamming, you know, two of them. Sometimes I'd see three of them. But, you know, they're a four-point range unit. I mean, what do people really expect? Uh, you know, if you're expecting something that's going to put out the damage of like a Lannister uh, crossbow or a Lightbringer, something like that, you know, you would have to pay the points for it. You'd have to pay the six points. You're paying four points for a long-range unit. Now, with that said, they also have the divide the spoils. Again, great uh, new change to it. You can hold on to those tokens to then distribute later or right away. Um, and uh, the six-up armor, I know they look pretty armored, so I guess, like, on the look, you know, they should probably have a five-up, but... I was surprised when I was, I think I was like my 10th game in before I realized they had a 5-up save. I just assumed they had a 6-up. Why? Because to me it just makes sense. They're a 4-point unit. Um, now, again, with that said, they did lose some attack dice. I think maybe just even one on second rank. It's not a big deal, in my opinion. Uh, now, I will say that, in my opinion, a staple in almost every list, at least every, almost every one of my lists, so what you do is you run one Bowman with Euron one-point attachment. Why? Because they'll start the game with two pillage, start round one, you know, first turn even. You could just start of any turn, whether it be yours or your opponent's, move one of those two pillage to another unit. And then, I know it's an order, so you're not going to do it again that round start like very first turn of round two throw the other pillage to someone else now you have the downside of Euron on a bowman unit that's just going to sit there and shoot you know you don't have to worry about constantly maneuvering and retreating and attacking and getting extra attacks and all these things that would cause Euron to ping away wounds over and over and over again you'll have it just on a bowman unit that's probably just going to shoot once around and you can now have Euron's ability to take a wound, to throw out a token within, I think it's long, uh, and provide some more support that way, while also starting the game with two pillage. And then if you run an Eric Ironmaker NCU, that's a third pillage, potentially more, um, probably more. Um, and then if you run a Balon, Balon has his uh, accessible sacrifices. That's four more tokens potentially. And then if you uh, get raiding call, that's two more tokens or two more pillage tokens, one each. So you're looking at, and if you run um, uh, Harlaw to Mulligan to get yourself new cards, I mean, you could be starting the, like round one with like five, seven pillage tokens, you know, or start of round two with five, seven pillage tokens. Uh, and not have to even worry. And now your entire army now starts with a plus one morale, potentially plus one morale, plus one die. Uh, that's huge. Um, so, no, you're probably no longer going to see two Bowmen. Uh, and I think that's fine. 
Um, but I still see these guys as very valuable as a one one of, and especially with Euron. I think Euron's value went way up with the um, new divide to spoils and the new universal pillage mechanic. So keep that in mind when you're list building. I say, you know, definitely try it out in your very next game. I think you'll love it. Um, and I think it'll become a staple uh, if I were to take a guess. Brett, what's your thought, thoughts on these two units? I, I think it's pretty fair. Um, the Black Tide Chosen, they moved to seven morale, but that's probably due to the fact that they have emboldened and then the pillage, the pillage adding, <clears throat> excuse me, adding plus one morale. So they would have been effectively morale four. So add in Asha, their morale three. Uh, it seems pretty fair to make that change to them. I think emboldened is on a generic unit is really good, um, especially if this panic meta shapes up with Lannisters looking like they're in a really good spot. You're going to need auto pass cards. You're going to need things to, to boost your morale. So um, that's pretty solid there. And then the Bowman, I'm with you. Um, it's a four-point unit. I I mean, they punch so in previous versions, they punched so far above their points cost. It was insane. Uh, mixed with finger dance, the rerolls for being in the flank, shooting into intimidating presence, shooting into stubborn tenacity. There's so much flexibility that you get. There's so many cool things that you can do with ranged units. I mean, they're long range. Would you rather that they stayed how they were and went short range or something? Because that's what would have had to happen for them to be fair. They're a fair unit, and I think that's the problem is that they're not crazy OP anymore, so people take issue with it. Um, that said, I, I mean, I tend to agree with you. I think one unit of them should be fine. Um, again, I don't think Greyjoys necessarily have to just pull away from, from eight activations. They can still run eight. You just need to figure out how to navigate it. It's different playing around their pass token, but can still essentially do the same thing. Yep, agreed. That that and keep, also keep in mind the Raiders of the Iron Islands uh, universal effect still applies to them. You can make them morale if you put two pillage on them. Let's say if you just have an overabundance because uh, probably they're not your first target or even they're probably the last target on your list. But for pillage, but if they have two pillage on them, they're going to be morale seven. Uh, which they never really had before unless you're running the Asha combo, which was way too good in my opinion, uh, to just auto-make them a 5 morale. But they also get plus 1 attack die. It applies to the range. So now, even though they're a 6-5-4, with 2 pillage, they're a 7-6-5 at 4 points. And then, like I said, with Euron in the unit, granted you're going to have to do, deal yourself a wound, um, you can still toss out that vulnerable token with Euron attachment in the unit. And then also keep in mind, unlike almost all of the uh, assault orders, I think one of them might not be that way, but um, uh, what's that card called? Um, we Do Not Sew can be used on any attack. So you can still get extra attacks with the Bowman with a base card. So I don't know. I think it was a much-needed change. Bowmen were too much of a, you know, and I everyone knows, or I think most of you all listening know, Greyjoys before Martells, just because I absolutely love, love the Red Viper, um, 
were my go-to. They're my main faction, and, but I know when to call it as it is, and Bowman were way too good, and they were a crutch. Um, you know, competitively, I'm always like, man, i got to run two of them. Why? Because, you know, way too good for four points, in my opinion. So I think they definitely took a, a, a decent hit, but uh, almost like a double nerf when you count the finger dance. But I think they're fair now for four points. Four-point units should not be destroying anything above five points. You know, what I mean, one-point difference is I don't see as a big deal. But like, so, but if you're like destroying seven-point units just because of their sheer number of dice and not shooting you from far away and comboing with shooting into combat effects, it's just too much. So, but try out Euron in these guys, and I think you guys will love it. Um, next up is uh, Drowned Men and the Reapers. Drowned Men, um, let's see. I'm going to have to look at the change log for this one because I don't I think maybe only their morale changed, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, where is it? Bear with me as I pull up the change log. I had it up, and I thought I didn't need it anymore, and of course I got rid of it. Um, so, uh, combat units. Where are you? Drowned men? Yeah, all it did was their morale went from a 4 to a 5. Really not a big deal. These guys are just as usable as before. A 5-up is still an amazing morale, and they still can only ever suffer one wound from failing a morale. So, uh, I think completely fine. Um... But, excuse me, the Reapers. Oh, man, am I disappointed about the Reapers. Um, probably my favorite-looking unit in the entire game. Uh, I ran these guys all the time before they even got a buff. My, and when these guys first released, I argued that literally all they needed to change was make their second rank a 6, which they did do, and leave them at that. But then they made them a, a 6... Uh, for second rank, and then they buffed their ability, which I was fine with. I was like, okay, cool. But now they changed it completely to be, um, they have Prey on Fear, which is nice, but I don't know, Prey on Fear has always been such an iffy ability. Uh, and then Reaper's Fervor. When this unit is destroyed, if it has two pillage token before removing, it performs one melee attack using its highest attack die value. Uh... I don't know. It's nice. It's still a good six-point unit. Vicious Prey on Fear with that dice value hitting on threes. A six move. Can't forget about that. Um, a five-up, six-up for morale with the ability to up your morale with other effects. Still a good unit. I am not... When I say I'm disappointed, I'm not disappointed because I think this unit's bad. I just disappointed because I loved their other ability. It just seemed a lot more thematic than a, like, I'll kill you if I die effect. So, I don't know. Uh, what's your thoughts on these two units? I think... I think the Reapers probably need to be given a shake. But... I don't know that I would necessarily want to run them. Um, I like, I, I 
did like what they did before. I think the the buff was maybe a little bit too much. Um, we hated mm-hmm. there's too many. They could do basically there's too many with every attack. It was pretty nasty if they were combined with Ramsey. I think they Ramsey and Reek. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think it became D three plus four at that point, right? At possibility. Well, because he has fuel by slaughter and intimidating presence, so you have the ability to heal and deal like a huge margin. Yeah. So, like, ex- especially if like all you had to do, if you uh, you could do minimal um, panic damage to auto kill, and then just choose max healing and then heal like I think it was like seven wounds you could heal from killing a unit. Yeah. Well and what was the what was the next thing? <laughs> um and then the drowned men just getting a one worse morale and that was it. Yeah, that doesn't really change anything. No, not really. They're, they're, they're still fun. Outside of the fact that maybe right. Gregor outside maybe Gregor being really popular, Gregor's gonna Wreck them pretty bad, but <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, oh, keep in mind, anyone, um, drowned men perfect for running in a Balon commander. Uh, if you, I don't know if I already mentioned this, but you throw, run them in his when you play acceptable sacrifices. You can deal yourself two wounds, get two pillage, and then literally start of any turn. So the start of then your opponent's turn. Just heal those two wounds back, and all you really took was a panic test, or I mean a panic token. So keep that in mind. Um, great option to put in there. All right. Next up, we got trappers and iron makers. So the trappers. Let me just look at the change log here. Um, chosen reapers. There we go. They increase their move to a six. And their melee dice uh, lost one on second rank, so they are now a 6-5-4. Um, and their uh, trapper's tools changed, I believe, place uh, a token no matter what. But if they have two pillage, they can do both tokens. Um, easily, uh, I liked trappers before. They only weren't run often for me because bowmen and drownmen outshined them. Uh, but I love trappers. The disrupt, four-point unit, um, and potentially placing a token was amazing. But now that the token is automatic, uh, a weakened with disrupt on a four-point unit can really cause your opponent some headaches. Again, if you have a pillage on them, they go to a seven morale. If you have like embolden, they could be a six. If you're next to a tree, you could be a five. And then if you give them an iron resolve, they could be a four. I mean, there's so many ways to up morale in this faction now that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize it yet, that you could make your entire faction be these cheapo, you know, units that are disrupting everything, you know, or hitting hard and just somehow sticking around longer than they should. Um, so I'm excited for the Trappers. I liked them before. They were just a little outshined, and now with the Bowman kind of getting that nerf, um, I, I'm i definitely going to be playing the Trappers a lot more, uh, especially I have three units painted, so uh, I'm super excited. And then the Iron Makers, their change was uh, their defense went from four to a three, 
and um, change their uh, rated armaments, uh, which is if this unit has two pillage, it gains plus one defense. Um, oddly enough, people were mad about this change, or I don't know, just from what I've seen, people were. I mean, at two pillage, you're still back to a two-up save, but now uh, I know one pillage won't do anything to your defense, but you're starting at three-up armor. So my thing about Iron Makers when I played Greyjoys all the time was Iron Makers were not a unit I was in love with. Why? Because I felt obligated to give them a pillage right away. They, like, screamed that they needed to have a pillage right away because that 4-up, 7-up was a huge, you know, um, uh, liability. Now with a 3-up and the ability to increase morale so easy, these guys are just fine waiting to get a pillage. They are not a unit that is like, I need one right now, you better give it to me or else, you know, your 7-point investment's going to go down the drain. I uh, absolutely love this change especially because I love the models so much, um, their sculpts. So I'm excited. I got two of these units painted and can't wait to get them on the table. So what's your thoughts on the Trappers and Iron Makers? I, I think they're both fine. They don't really have a lot to say. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's fine. We're running down to the wire, so... Uh, I mean, yeah. it is pretty self-explanatory. There isn't a whole lot changed, and in my opinion, they're just simply buffed. Um, they they are not, um, uh, what should I call it, uh, um, nerfed in any way, in my opinion. Um, so we can just go on to the last two, which are Reavers and Silenced Men. So Reavers... Uh, were considered, I think, one of the worst units on stats. Not the worst, but they were way down there. I I find it crazy, uh, and I've mentioned this before on the show. I'd run lists of four of them with Victarian and two Bowmen. That was like my go-to list was four Reavers, one with Victarian Commander, two Bowmen, and three NCUs for a nine-activation Greyjoy army. And, you know, they just made work of stuff. Now, I mean... I would almost argue to say they're too good, too early to tell. And, you know, I'm saying this as someone that loves Greyjoys, but we'll see. But now they have, uh, let's see, what changed? Uh, they hit on threes instead of fours because before they would get plus one to hit for every pillage. Now it's they just hit on threes, and then they have they still have Sundering. But if they have two pillage, they can reroll any attack dice. That is huge. Like, I can't say, like, people, I think, a lot of times undervalue, re like, innate rerolls or, like, uh, not innate, but, you know, reroll effects outside of charging because these effects are not hindered, no pun intended, by hindering. Uh, if you go over a terrain piece, it does not matter. Like, these guys should almost uh, uh, indirectly say ignore hindering. Uh, in the in the sense that you're gonna still get rerolls, um, and then furious charge they were given, so they now uh, you know make uh, whoever they charge become vulnerable, vulnerable on top of sundering, on top of potentially eight dice hitting on threes, automatically rerolling. This is a five point wrecking ball. I mean, I am just 
I just can't believe that, like, they were given all this stuff. I mean, I maybe I'm the, I guess I'm just the oddball that thought these guys were already amazing. I mean, I don't know. Um, next up, though, lastly, we got Silence Men, who did get a move increase to six. These guys were already amazing, and again, they got buffed. Um, you're looking at a six move and um, attack. All the other stats are the same for them. But they were given Dauntless, and then they also were given, uh, they still basically have the same Silence, uh, the Silence Infamy, um, the bubble and the morale, uh, taking less damage on morale tests, um, but, uh, or on panic tests. But now they were given Dauntless, so when they pass that five up, potentially four up or better morale, they're going to heal a wound. And then if they have two pillage on them, they're doing an extra minus one to defense rolls. So similar-ish to the great, uh, great axes, but they don't get my, they can't, they're only going to get one more additional minus. So they'll have them with their sundering a minus two if they have two pillage. But man, um, between Reavers and Silence Men, these guys, like, in my opinion, outshine, like, the rest of the army outside of maybe support stuff like trappers, bowmen, and drowned men. But I feel like these two almost push iron makers, reapers, and black tide chosen out of the conversation if you're talking like hyper competitive lists. Um, so what, as we wind down, Brett, we got like six more minutes. What are your thoughts on these two? I think silence men are nuts, but I think pretty well everybody knows that. Um, Reavers as well. Super good. It's an aggressive meta. I think there's just so much funk. There's so much focus on Golden Company swords right now that a lot of stuff's kind of flying under the radar. Yep. So um, I will, uh, as we wind down, I'll give my uh, example or my little list I would love to try out soon. You guys let me know what you think of it. I would love if you tried it out and gave me feedback, is a unit of silence men with Balon Greyjoy, Ironborn Reavers with a Warsworn, Ironborn Reavers with a Warsworn, Ironbo- uh, Ironborn Bowmen with Euron Greyjoy, Drowned Men, Eric Ironmaker, Aaron Greyjoy, and Roger Carla. As I mentioned before, with Balon, uh, Euron, Eric, the and Balon's cards, uh, the base deck cards, um, giving you anywhere between three and nine tokens, or pillage tokens. And then Roger Carlisle letting you mulligan twice to make sure you get those cards. The Drowned Men letting you heal the wounds that you would have to take from accept, acceptable sacrifices. Balon and the two Warsworns all giving you Fueled by Slaughter. You do still have a range unit in there. You're looking at eight activations. You could even, if you wanted to buff some units up, you could only run two NCUs, go down to seven activations, and buff up either either the Drowned Men or the Reavers. Um, So let me know what you think of that list. Uh, Try it out for me. I'm hoping to try it out myself soon, uh, and I'll let you guys know what... uh, uh, how it performs for myself, but I'm super excited for the Greyjoys. Um, I really hope that some of you guys out there that are really thinking that Greyjoys are doomed, uh, that you really just try to discover some of these some of these units and combos. Because I will agree with you, I think the overall tactics deck 
is significantly weaker, but it is a lot more um, it it's not going to feel as clunky or like Brett was saying, you're hoping to draw things in a very particular uh, order. It's it's going to be a lot more universally usable in the sense of timing and when you want to see certain cards. So you, you'll still have a preference of when you want to see stuff, but it'll just be a little easier that way. But overall, I do think the deck is a bit weaker. The um, NCUs, other than maybe like, I don't know, the NCUs I would say is a lateral change. Uh, you have Eric, Wendemere, and Baron all being in essentially a nerf, even though I do like uh, Eric's change. Um, I think he's a little better, but I, I know I'm in the minority there. But then you got uh, uh, Makoro, uh, Botley, uh, Balon all getting buffs and really good buffs. Um, you also have the neutral NCU buffs like uh, Varus. So keep all that in mind. And then when it comes to commander abilities, commander attaches cards and all the units essentially, they're all better. Um, with the, I mean, the Harlaw Reapers I think are worse, but they're not like, I still think they're a good unit. Um, so definitely don't feel like the faction is doomed. I personally think that this is a great faction. Uh, definitely give it a lot of games in um, and, and try to stay optimistic. But with that said, uh, thank you, Brett, for coming on. As we wind down here, uh, we've got a couple minutes left. Uh, I want to, uh, again, shout out the qualifier event at Games Plus and Mount Prospect. That is on August 26th, uh, so a week from this Saturday. Uh, I, I would appreciate uh, if anyone could share it out, on, and if you can make it, I would love to see you guys there. There's going to be a ton of prizes. So... Keep that in mind, um, and uh, I'll be at Nationals, I'll be at that, uh, and I would love to see you guys at either or both events. Uh, stay tuned for the, all the other factions. We're going to cover each one in a show. We're going to combine, though we're going to combine neutrals, Boltons, and Martells all as one show because there wasn't a whole lot between those three factions, and we don't want to have to be doing these update episodes for the next, like, you know, <laughs> the next three months. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to attempt to do two episodes a week to cover all this, but, you know, things have been a little crazy lately, so bear with us. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. still here. Why?